Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise. Welcome to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Wunett. And today I'm joined by three local nonprofits, DuPage Pads, the Naperville Noon Lions Club, and the DuPage Symphony Orchestra. You're watching Spotlight, and joining me now representing DuPage Pads is April Rezik. April, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So let's, you know, hop right in and talk about DuPage Pads mm -hmm. uh, and how it's changed its services over the past year. Obviously, with a mission against homelessness, COVID had a big impact. So what's different today than looked like about a year ago? COVID has had a huge impact. What we had traditionally utilized for services is um, congregation-based. So we had been um, utilizing space provided by church partners, synagogue partners. Um, today, we are still in hotel-based shelter. So everyone has their own door, everyone has their own bathroom. Um, the goal is to provide as safe shelter as possible in this pandemic environment. Okay, and obviously you, you had to move out of the churches, right, because of the COVID mm -hmm. protocols. So how has that been being in the hotels? What's, what's different? How is that different in terms of how you provide your services? So in the last 18 months that we've been in hotels, we've learned a lot, actually. Um, and a lot of it's been really good news. We've had an 80% decrease in mental health incidents, 75% decrease in um, health-related issues, and our uh, utilization of case management has gone up by 500%. So really exciting. What this means for people is they're safer. It means they're healthier. It means we've learned that this kind of service and this kind of provision of shelter is really good for the people we're serving. Because it isn't just overnight, right? That's the big difference with the hotel. Yes. It's, you know, if you're in a congregation, you get a pat on the floor overnight meal, shelter, but in this hotel environment, it's more of an all day thing. Is that how that's working for you? Yes, you're not going to sleep and then getting up and trying to find a new place to stay the next night. Where you're at is where you're staying until you're ready for that next step to end your homelessness. So it, that's been really exciting. Also for families, it's been really good um, in terms of providing them with a safe space. Yeah, and are, are you seeing a change in the population that you're serving with that model? We are. So last fall, we started seeing more families come to us than in the history of DuPage Pads. Um, about a third of those staying with us right now are children. And we think that has a lot to do with the different models. So when you're in a hotel, uh, if you're a, a mother with children, it feels safer to be in a closed door than in a group environment. So uh, they've, become, they've been coming to us in larger numbers. Okay. We don't think there's, these are new people in the DuPage area. These are, we think these are families that have been either sleeping in cars or couch surfing with friends. So getting them in, helping them find their way to case management will get them one step closer to an apartment of their own. So while it's difficult seeing families come in that are homeless at the same time, it does let us get them toward that next step and, and that's gonna be better for them over the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, mm -hmm. you've talked about that case management because it's more than just being about housing and putting a roof over people's head, right? So say a little bit more about your case management program. Sure, so we talk about it being a pad on the floor to a key to, a key to the door. Uh, you come in and we give you a safe place to stay, but the case manager helps you find 
those next steps and get to that next place so you can eventually end your homelessness, have your own safe space, and um, they'll help you access resources, they'll help you find a job, they'll help you get to medical care, whatever has caused someone to become homeless, the case manager helps them get to that next step to end that homelessness. Okay, so really going after the driving, you know, the drivers as opposed mm -hmm. to the symptom of the homelessness, really what are the drivers that got them to that particular exactly. position, right? Um, you mentioned safe bed. What does it mean to your clients to have a safe bed? A safe bed means everything. If you've been sleeping unsheltered, there's no safety. There's no ability to store medication. It's hard to brush your teeth. Having your own space, having your own safe space um, means you can also come in and take a shower. We had a gentleman come in uh, who had never stayed in a hotel before, been unsheltered for years. The first thing he did is took four baths. Being clean meant a great deal to him. For families coming in with children, um, it means that that child has a place to sleep. It means that they can take a bath and be clean the next day. We can get them to school, and we can get them to school with a warm meal in their stomach. So it's, it means a great deal for the people we're serving. Yeah. Now, talk a little bit, and you said about a meal. So you're, you're at hotels. Um, who's providing the food? Kind of how is that whole system kind of coming in place? Because I know you have a lot of volunteers who have been incredibly supportive of your mission for many, many years. So how are you coming around uh, your clients with that group of volunteers? So our volunteers have been incredible during the pandemic. We've found new and really interesting ways to make sure people are fed. They come in, um, what had been our client resource center has turned into a food pantry. So volunteers will come in, uh, fill bags of food, and, and prep them so we can deliver them over to the hotels. We also have volunteers who are coming in, will bring meals to people who are staying with us, knock on the door, say room service, and make sure they have a hot meal. So it's been really incredible watching people to come together around this um, in ways that have not been possible in the same way before. Yeah, and I would imagine a little bit of independence there. There's a little bit more of a feeling of independence when it's not necessarily as much communal uh, overnight shelter, right? Yes, it, it allows someone to have that identity. Uh, for people also who had been less comfortable coming into communal shelter, it means that they have a way to come in that's comfortable for them. So we can take them first to independence and then to be a part of a community within the space that we're in right now. So that's also been really great to see in the people we're serving. Yeah, so I mean, uh, it it's a kind of exciting. I mean, you hate to have lived through the pandemic. Um, well, you're glad to have lived through the pandemic, but I mean, that changed so many different things. But obviously, some really good things have come out of that for your particular organization. What do you see in the future, April? Where do you see things going? So we're learning from the last 18 months and making um, steps forward at a new vision from there. We're really excited to be proposing an interim housing center, uh, which will repurpose a 130-room hotel into interim housing so people can come stay with us, have a place to stay during the day and again at night um, for the future. So we're really excited about what that means and are moving forward, uh, hopefully to make this a reality in Downers Grove soon. Okay, that's exciting. And um, you know, I mean, that's sort of taking that hotel model but making it your own, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, we're taking what we've learned in uh, utilizing it in the best way possible for uh, people who are homeless in our community. Yeah. If you were to sort of say to, to the viewers here something that they could do that would be supportive of what you're doing in your mission, what would it be? Uh, they can go to our website and learn more. Uh, people can volunteer. Uh, people can contribute to our Interim Housing Center Fund. 
uh, and they can add their voice to our plan to develop an interim housing center by visiting our website or endhomelessnesstogether.org. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for stopping by, April. We appreciate it. And we're so delighted to hear that you've had so much progress in the last year. Thank you. So glad to be here. Absolutely. And if you are interested in learning more about DuPage Pads, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back with more Spotlight. For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. If you're just tuning in, you're watching Spotlight. I'm your host, Jay Mournette, and joining me now is Bob Hull from the Naperville Noon Lions Club. Welcome, Bob. Good to have you. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm happy to be here and uh, looking forward to our interview. Well, good. Well, I'm going to start out with a really good, easy question for you because I know that you've been around the Lions for a long time. Tell us a little bit about the history of not only the Naperville Noon Lions Club, but also the Lions Club International. The uh, Naperville Lions Club International was, uh, we have to go way back to 1917. And it was uh, founded by a gentleman by the name of Melvin Jones. He was a very energetic, enthusiastic uh, salesman. Uh, he's originally from Arizona, but he moved here to uh, Illinois when he was seven years old. And by 1913, he had started his own insurance uh, agency. So he was an energetic salesman, and when he established the agency, he was a member of the uh, a club called the Business Circle, which was a um, more of a professional club, and uh, he had uh, bigger visions than being just in a professional club. So he, uh, at that time, wrote a lot of people around the country letters, especially uh, secretaries of other clubs around the country, and invited them to join him here in Chicago in, in June of 1917, in which uh, the, uh, that was the, uh, when the Lions Club uh, International was born in 1917. But the real part of the international part came in 1925 when uh, Helen Keller uh, addressed the uh, National Convention of the Lions at that time and challenged the Lions to become the uh, Knights of the Blind. Mm. And the international uh, organization adapted that policy. And ever since that time, its main focus has been on vision and hearing uh, services to the, uh, those who cannot afford them. Uh, but also the, the uh, international organization, has, as it has become larger, uh, has expanded out into some other areas like diabetes and uh, child pediatric cancer and environment and, and so forth. There's approximately 1.4 million members of Lions International, 44,000 clubs around the world, and uh, uh, it covers, I think, something like 150 different countries. So very large organization. Its uh, headquarters is right here in Illinois and right here in the Chicago area in Oak Brook. Uh, the Naperville Noon Lions came along in 1948, and we've been in existence ever since then, and our main focus is to provide vision and hearing services to, to those in need in the Naperville area. 
Okay. So, and, and, and that really, uh, tell us a little bit, uh, Bob, in terms of how you provide those services focused on vision and hearing. Okay, our, our signature program is uh, to provide uh, eye examinations, eyeglasses, and hearing screenings to uh, both children and adults in the Naperville area. Uh, most of our referrals come from the school districts, 203 and 204, who's uh, the, uh, the children are having problems in school. They, ha they can't see, so they're not doing very well in school. So they'll be referred to us, and we will then send them to the optometrist and buy the eyeglasses for them. That's why, well, and as you said, it's a big part of the educational process. If you can't hear well or you can't see well, that's a big, big problem as far as learning. Talk a little bit about, I know you mentioned you have some other community service that the Naperville Noon Lions do. Give us a bit of information on that. One of the other programs that, that I think really doesn't get as much attention as it probably should is that we collect uh, used eyeglasses around Naperville. Uh, we have two uh, eyeglass, central eyeglass collection boxes around the city. Uh, one's located at 1205 uh, Naper Boulevard and the other is at 5 South Washington Street. And uh, we collect about 4,000 glasses per year and then these are forwarded on to the Lions, uh, Illinois Lions Foundation in DeKalb uh, where they're collected with other uh, Lions clubs around the uh, state, and they collect probably a six, seven, eight hundred thousand pairs of glasses a wow. year. It's it's a lot. You know, they're sorted, they're cleaned up, they're they're measured for their prescriptions, and then they are used to be sent to third world countries for uh, individuals who never had a pair of eyeglasses yeah. and had problems seeing. Yeah. And what a life changing event that is for them to get their first pair of glasses so they not, can now see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, absolutely. It's, it's an essential program of, I think, of what we do. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, you know, sadly, I think a lot of us have an ex extra pair or maybe three sitting in a drawer that, you know, we've long, long since uh, outgrown that prescription. So, what a great way to uh, and, support the work that you do. And we would certainly like to have them if they're, they're just laying around at home. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how do you raise money? Uh, um, Bob, because that's obviously something that you need to do to be able to provide the services and to be able to support those kids who can't afford to buy the, uh, have either have the eye exam or buy the glasses. So uh, how, do you, how do you raise the funds? Uh, we raise funds in, in several different ways. Um, our biggest fundraiser is going to be coming up very soon. It's called the uh, Naperville Turkey Trot. It's going to be on uh, Thanksgiving morning. It starts at 8 o'clock, North Central um, our Naperville Central High School, uh, as it has been for, for many years. Uh, normally, we would have about uh, 7,000 runners, but due to the uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic over the past 18 or 19 months, uh, we would expect that a good turnout would be maybe half that amount, uh, okay. maybe 4,000 runners, which would be, which would be great. Uh, it's, uh, very, it's been very hard going over the last 18 months for the, for the race, but we're going we're gonna to prevail. Okay, uh, so people can uh, sign up now? And registration is open. Uh, you can go to uh, neighborvilleturkeytrot.com and uh, sign up and uh, run the race with us on Thanksgiving morning. Come run. Well, as we wrap up here, Bob, just a real quick overview. How does somebody become a Naperville Noon Lions member? Uh, if you want to become a member, and we'll be happy to have you, uh, just uh, visit our uh, website or call, make a telephone call to us, and we'd be glad to invite you to one of our luncheon meetings. We meet every uh, Tuesday at uh, Aurelio's uh, Family Pizza Restaurant in Naperville. 
and uh, it's we're a great fa a great uh, family-like organization. You'd, people would have a lot of fun with us. We work hard, but yet we have a lot of fun in doing it. And uh, I would li like to also, uh, before we close, to to thank the Naperville community, who has supported us over these last uh, 18 months to uh, keep our programs going. We have not had to scale back our vision and hearing. Uh, program at all uh, because of uh, financial, but we well, we we're going to try to continue to uh, to operate at full levels uh, as long as we can. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you do a lot of good work, and that's why people mm -hmm. come alongside you and support you. So, thank you so much for coming by, Bob. Okay, thank you for having me. And to find out more about how you could become a member of the Naperville Noon Lions Club or register for the Turkey Trot, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go away. We'll be right back after a few short messages. For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. Neighborville Crime Stoppers. Yes, I'd like to report some suspicious activity in my neighborhood. How does this work? Yes, thanks for calling. Your call is anonymous and I'll not ask for your name. Instead, you'll be identified by a tip number. In a few weeks, call back with the tip number you received, and I will let you know the status of your tip. If an arrest is made, you could receive a reward up to $1,000. How do I get the reward money if you don't know who I am? Well, when you call back, we set up a time and a place to drop the money. You will be safe, and nobody will know you gave Crime Stoppers a tip. Okay, well, here's what's going on. Welcome back to Spotlight. And joining me now from the DuPage Symphony Orchestra is Don Patajny. He's with us. He's the president of the board of directors. So welcome, Don. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for inviting us. And thank you to NCTV for the uh, spotlighting our wonderful not-for-profits in the area and the wonderful work that they do for our community. Well, thank you. We appreciate that as a not-for-profit ourselves. It's our pleasure. So I'm going to start out with you've got the 2021-22 season coming up. So tell us a little bit about the DSO and your upcoming season. So the DuPage Symphony Orchestra, or the DSO, is a community orchestra. In fact, the 2021 Community Orchestra of the Year from Yay. the Illinois, community, <laughs> Illinois Council of Orchestras. And uh, so we're an orchestra of around 100 highly talented and dedicated musicians led by our music director and maestra Barbara Schubert. The DSO was created in 1954 and she is only our second music director. Wow. We, have, we have some musicians that have been with the DSO even before Barbara joined. So some, some folks have been with the DSO for decades. And we play at Wentz Hall uh, here in downtown Naperville uh, on the campus of North Central College. 
That's wonderful. And I think that's a real testament, right, to the stability of the organization that you've only ever had two artistic directors. Also that you've had uh, musicians there for so long. You must be doing something right. Yes, they must. I've only been with the DSO for two years. Uh, but we have some families that have uh, even children that are playing in the orchestra uh, oh. that, and their parents do as well. That's nice. Yes. What's the age range? Just to give us a little bit of an idea of, you know, describe the orchestra, if you will. Oh you my said gosh. 100 people, but... Yes, we have some, uh, some younger players in their 20s. Uh, many of the musicians are music teachers, either in schools or on their own. Um, and then some, teach, some, some, uh, some players are much older than that as well. Okay, all right. <laughs> Age not to be disclosed. Got it. Um, I, I'm going to ask you this, Don, because honestly, a lot of us, I think, are a little bit intimidated when we hear the symphony, right? It sort of conjures up these images of something very proper and, and you know, kind of a little bit elite over onto the side, maybe something that isn't for us. But describe the experience of the DSO for us. Yes, I, I, I understand that it can be intimidating the first time you go. And there's nothing like the experience of a full orchestra with 100 people on stage and Barbara is an, her imposing figure up there waving the baton. It can be intimidating, but we really want to reach out to everyone in the community. This music is for everyone. And uh, there's really no barriers to anyone joining us. It's, it's conveniently located. Uh, the tickets are very reasonably priced, and I want to encourage everyone to try it out. Okay, so I'm going to ask some of the questions that people, you know, it's kind of like those questions that nobody wants to ask. Right. What do I wear? You can wear whatever you want, whatever you're comfortable in. Uh, so you can wear this. This is what I wear because I like to show respect for the musicians and all their years and years of practice and the beautiful art that they're creating. Uh, and so sometimes we dress up to go to special places. But uh, if you want to wear blue jeans, wear blue jeans. Uh, in fact, Barbara suggested that we do a, a show in the spring and, and make it a, a, a blue jeans required show just to break down those barriers and really wear whatever you want. Okay, all right. Can I bring the kids? Do you recommend it? Yes, I bring my son. My son is 10 years old, but he can sit quietly for an hour. Usually he's spending that hour playing video games, but he can sit, <laughs> he can sit still for an hour. And don't bring any babies. Babies can't sit still for an hour plus. But children, by all means, once they're able to sit still quietly for an hour and not disturb their neighbors, please bring them. We should be encouraging young families. This is about um, expanding our audiences. And please, bring the children as long as they're old enough. Uh, and in fact, um, in prior years, we're not doing it this year, but in prior years, we have an um, instrument zoo uh, and allow the children to come up on the stage and interact with the musicians and learn about the different uh, instruments and how they work. I think that's wonderful, right? I mean, it's oftentimes, I think, everything with children, you're, you only know what you're exposed to. You can only like what you're exposed to. If you've never heard a symphony, how would you know if you would like it, right? But to kind of be able to interact with those musicians and find out the difference between an oboe and a cello and a violin, I would imagine the kids really enjoy that. They, they love it. And... Another thing is being a parent allows you to do things that you've always wanted to do or wanted to do again. So if you've never been to a, an orchestra, having, bringing your kid along gives you an excuse to expand, uh, expand your experiences. Okay, now here's a big question. When do I clap? Because there's always the etiquette, you know, you're never quite sure, do I clap now, do I clap later, when do I clap? Yeah, this custom has evolved over the centuries 
And where we are now is we clap after each movement, or at least that's an opportunity. There's no clapping is mandatory. And you know, as, as, as orchestras around the world have returned to the stage over the last few, over the last couple of months, audiences have responded with such enthusiasm and emotion. So if the music moves you, by all means, stand and cheer and clap. But generally, you do that between movements. Okay. A, uh, an, a, a symphony is organized in three or four movements, like acts of a play. And once a movement is finished and the conductor lowers her arms, then it's time to, to show some appreciation. And the musicians love it. Okay, good, good. So I feel like we know what to wear, we know when to clap, and we know it's for everybody. So those are, those are good things, right? And just like here, turn your cell phone off, please. Yes, yes, that's I, I, movies everywhere. Frankly, just turn them off, period. I think that would be a good move. Does movement. anybody answer them anyway when they ring? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So now, as you kind of think about the DSO, and I know your board's been very active in this. What do you think the role is that the DuPage Symphony Orchestra plays within the community and the benefits that it does bring to the community? Well, during this, uh, during this pandemic over the last year and a half, we've taken advantage of the opportunity as a board to work on our own development and our own strategic planning, but more importantly, the musicians, when, and by the way, thank goodness the musicians are so dedicated that they kept up their practicing. When Barbara brought the band back together, she said they didn't, they didn't miss a beat. Uh, but music has always played a role in the healing of communities. Uh, the restorative power of music is indisputable. And this period that we feel like we're coming out of has been difficult for all of us around the world. And community orchestras and local music uh, will play a big role in healing our in healing our communities. Yeah, it brings people together, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you know, I having been very blessed to be able to go to Wentz Concert Hall, that is an amazing venue. It is. We're so lucky to have it, and it's so convenient in downtown Naperville. We have valet parking, and what a great opportunity for impressing a romantic interest or a work <laughs> associate, dinner at one of our terrific downtown restaurants, and then walk right over to Wentz Hall. It's gonna be a great night Saturday night. Okay, and can people buy tickets now, Don? Yes, only a few tickets are left for this Saturday, but we have a full season of five concerts plus the holiday concert and they can go on the North Central College uh, website and, and order individual tickets uh, now. And again, just a few left for this week, uh, but we've got, we've got five more concerts this year. Okay, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for stopping by and sharing information about the DSO. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you. Thank you so much, Jane. Okay, and if you would like to find out more information about the DuPage Symphony Orchestra or to go get those lovely tickets, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back with more Spotlight. I'd like to thank all of my guests for joining us on Spotlight and our friends at Busey Bank for their generous sponsorship of today's show. To learn more about the organizations featured on today's episode, please visit our website at nctv17.com. And to stay informed about what's happening in our community, Sign up to receive our daily news update and like and follow us on Facebook. For Spotlight, I'm Jane Wernette. Thank you for watching. Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise.